Welcome everybody to Rise. Uh, my name is Aaron, I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us, especially you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, I'm so happy you're here. Um, we always invite our guests to come back three times. Everybody say three times. Three times. Yeah, and the reason we do that is we really believe that um, God is doing something special here. And at the same time, we don't know, I'm not sure you can get it in just one spot. Some people do. Some people come and they're like, this is my church. Um, but, but sometimes you got to kind of check out it a few times. And hopefully this will be your, your, your spiritual family. That's what we're, we're called to be. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. Uh, do something in the chat. Let us know that you're with us. Uh, we're so glad that you're hanging out with us today. And we are in the middle, actually wrapping up a series uh, called Seeds. We are in week six. This is longer than what we normally do. Um, but I really believe that God has been speaking to us uniquely about um, this idea of seeds. We call it seeds. Everybody say seeds. seeds. We've been talking about what God's um, kind of main thematic idea of seeds are inside the Bible. It's amazing how um, this book is so unique and amazing. I've been reading it since I was a kid. I've been teaching it for over two decades. And every time I open it up, I'm still, I'm still amazed. I still learned something. And as we've been doing this series, I've been seeing how much God talks about the idea of a seed inside of his word. And um, we've been kind of unpacking that. In week one, we talked about what keeps us from understanding God's word, what keeps the seed from going into a, the soil of our hearts. Week two, we talked about how faith, like a seed, can grow. We talked about in week three, sowing and reaping, and the idea that what we reap, then we will sow. In week four, we talked about whether or not you're a weed or you're a wheat, and Jesus spoke a lot about that. Last week, we talked about money and seeds. You can't really talk about seeds in the Bible and not bring up money, and um, it was a great time. A lot of our church, really, I had so much, probably more feedback than I've had in a long time about how much they, y'all needed that message. I'm like, I needed it, but how much y'all received it, and I'm so proud of you as a pastor. You know, just so you know, just some insight, pastors um, don't love to talk about money because we already know what you think. We already know the preconditions of the world. We already know what everybody's told you about me and money and the church and money and how the church just wants your money. And um, I'm not going to lie to you. There probably are some churches out there that are like that, but that's not this church. Um, we don't need your money. God don't need your money. He's doing fine. We're doing fine. It's all good. But I do believe God really wants your heart. And, and money and our hearts are so inter interconnected. And I would be not a good pastor. I would not be a good shepherd if I didn't talk to the sheep about what really resembles our heart. And today, I'm gonna to wrap it up. We're gonna talk about this idea of legacy. Um, the older I get, the more I see what this series is all about, that tomorrow starts today. The older I get, the more I, I mean, some of y'all have been around longer than I have, and you've known and you've seen your seed grow and, and there, are, there, are, there are only certain things that we can do in this world that will live beyond us, and it's really our legacy. And I wanna, I wanna just for a moment, I'm gonna give you a gift today. I'm gonna give you a gift. I'm gonna give you a moment to think about not just right now, because everything's about right now. Everything's about, if you don't get it, you're gonna lose it. If you don't do it, like, you're gonna, do it fast, do it. Like, I'm just gonna give you a gift right now to think about not just the future, but what you're leaving in the future. I'm gonna give you that gift today, and um, hopefully we can, we can learn together. John chapter 12 is where we're going to be, and then we're going to do John chapter 15. 
And um, we're gonna talk about some things that Jesus said. And he said this in John chapter 12. John is a, is a, a New Testament gospel. It's one of the first four books of the New Testament. And it says Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John does something so unique. He's so, so, so great. But he pens this, this idea of Jesus. And it says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it dies. So he's talking about seeds. It only remains, right? It remains only a, a single seed. But if it dies, this is so good. It produces many seeds. It's a really interesting concept that you and I, as Christians, need to understand and get. Like, if it dies, and remember, as a Christian, death is actually a good thing. I know it sounds weird, but like, we're, we're called to die to ourselves. We're called to die to our sin. We're called to die to our flesh. Like, there's part of us that should die. Um, but just know that in a Christianity, death doesn't have the final say. Jesus has the final say, and there's resurrection that comes from the from the seed, and it says it produces many seeds. That's resurrect. Y'all see it? Y'all see, like we die, it produces many good things in our life. And then he, he goes on in John chapter 15 to, to tell almost like I feel like this is like a, um, if that was like 101, he goes into 201. And he teaches in 15, chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So that if you're a Christian and you're doing the right thing, things will naturally be cut out of your life. That's good. That's good. That's good. So don't always cry about the things you lost. That could be a good thing. It's good. And he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So he's talking to his people. He's saying, you got to stay close to me. You got to stay close to Jesus. And it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants you. That's better. He chose you. He said, he looked at you. He said, that's the one I want. That's, there they are. That's, that's them. He says, I've appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. So now he chose you, then it builds, then he appoints you. So he chooses you and he says, this is who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Now I'm going to appoint you. That's about action. Now I'm going to have you do something in this earth that actually makes a difference. And he says this, so that you may go bear fruit. And this is important. Fruit that will last. Everybody say fruit that will last. So say thing and say fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, my father will give you. Your, your nice job is to produce fruit that will last, to leave legacy, to leave legacy. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that Lord, you have something to speak to us. Lord, there's something so incredible about your word and how it's so clear. I, I read it and I, I, man, it reads me. I read it and new revelation happens. I read it and then all of a sudden I'm with you. I read it and it's like, man, God, you're speaking to me. You're, you're moving me. You're showing me. I read it and every time I do, your Holy Spirit speaks to me. And I pray that today, God, you would speak to the people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. My sons recently um, asked us for a big gift. How many of y'all parents have ever been asked for a big gift by your kids, right? Y'all been had a big gift. And, and we're not talking about like a candy bar or, you know, hey, would you take me to Chick-fil-A? We're talking hundreds of dollars, big gift. They think that me and money somehow have this weird relationship where like, yeah, like where all of a sudden, yeah, father just feels my pain. Like you think, 
Your parents said that crazy statement to you, right? When you were little, they said that money doesn't what? Doesn't grow on. Yeah, and you're like, but it kind of does, right? You got more money. You always thought your parents had more money than they were telling you, led, led you on, you know? And it's true. It's just not your money. That's money I got for something else. So my sons, they asked me, so they said, hey, dad, I want this. Uh, it's like this video game thing. And I said, well, first of all, you got like a, a thousand video game things and you don't need another one. And, uh, and they said, well, dad, we really, really want it. I said, okay, well, talk to my wife and we talked about it and we're like, okay, we'll, we'll get it for him. But it had not come out for um, yet until the, it, was, it was available for what they call pre-order. Y'all know what pre-order is, right? So it's like new layaway, right? It's pre-order where you pre-order, they take your money and give you nothing. It's genius. It's really what it is. It's genius. And, uh, and so they said, hey, once it comes out, you can have one. And it was really popular. And so we pre-ordered this, this thing. And I told my sons, I said, son, it, it's going to take uh, one and a half months to come in. And they said, okay, no problem, dad. I said, now, if that's what you want, I'll get it for you. But it's going to take one and a half, say it with me, one and a half months, right? I told them, I'm like, you say it back, write it in your thing. I'll give you the date it's coming out. They said, okay, dad, no problem. I said, can you guys wait that long? They said, no but we're going to try. I said, okay. So we bought it hundreds of dollars just out of my bank account for nothing. And, um, amazing. I'm like, okay, cool. We're waiting. One week goes by and they said, dad, is it here yet? I said, I told you, y'all ever had that right with them? Like it's the, it's the, are we there yet? Syndrome. It's no, we bought it. It's going to be one and a half months the next week. Dad, have we got it yet? I said, no, no, son, we have not got it yet. Like it's, we're going to have to wait a little bit. Another week goes by. Dad, has it come in yet? Is it ready to come? Because we bought it. We bought it. I go, you bought it? I bought it for you, but it's not yours yet. We don't have it. It's one and a half months. And so it goes by and all. And it, it, was, so, um, it, it was so funny that, that we had dinner one night and they sat down and they said, dad, this is taking forever. We don't even want it anymore. And I said, I said, you don't want it no more. That's fine with me. I can get a refund right now. And the other brothers, because it was like a combo gift, the other brothers were like, no. And they started arguing at the table. And I'm like, this is good. Let them, let them argue. Like, let them walk it out. Like, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to interject. Sometimes you just let them work it out. And, um, and, and I, remember, I remember saying this, and I never thought I'd say this. Come on, y'all, y'all people who've been around, y'all had a little bit of gray in your hair. Y'all had a little empty nest flow. Y'all, y'all know. You, you all say this to, to the young bucks now. Y'all say this statement that everybody said back in, come on, back in my day, right? That came out of me at the table because they were like, we got to wait so long. It's taking you. And by the way, my biggest pet peeve is whining and like victim mentality. Like you ain't a victim. You are blessed. God's with you. Even if something happened to you, you ain't a victim. Like you are good. God can redeem this. But my sons are not victims. And my sons are not in poverty. My sons are blessed. And I was not having the whining thing. And I said, it came out of me. I said, back in my day. And I said, who said that? You know, who said that? And I said, back in my day, we used to have to, we used to have to order out of catalogs and, and like, there was no internet, you know, and when I was your age and I just felt like old for like the first moment of my life. And, and, uh, I was talking to them, they were like, well, we wanted a book and, and you didn't Amazon it quickly enough. And I, they, we, I mean, it went, it turned into a big old thing. And I said, do you remember, and I looked at my wife, do you remember the scholastic, 
like book fair magazine. Do y'all remember this? And I was thinking about it. I was like, y'all kids got blessed because there was somebody making these things and you used to have to give them money again for nothing. You give them money. And then six months later, your book would show up. You'd buy it at school. You wouldn't even be in the same grade before it came back. And you used to have to wait. And now we just hit buy now in this same day. Come on, y'all. Jeff Bezos figured something out. Same day delivery. Like, I just, I was thinking about it. Like, we don't, we're not good. It's, it's a funny thing because we're not good at long-term thinking anymore. We're really good at short-term thinking. Everything in our life is short-term. I don't want to wait longer than a, a day for what I order online. That was part of the big issue when people started online shopping was that you had to wait. You know, and, and I like going to the store and seeing something I like and grabbing it and touching it with my hands, putting it on my body, looking at the mirror, saying, you good looking. And then I'd <laughs> walk into the, and then I'd start negotiating with the, because I think everything's worth negotiating. I think all prices are negotiable. Yeah, you know, There's a sale on this somewhere in some part of the world. I get, I need a discount. And, um, but I, I'm used to the instant gratification. I'm not good at long-term thinking anymore. And, and the problem with when you're like that is that you forget that some of the greatest things that happened in your life take time. Because why? Because we talk about it tomorrow starts today. And, and I think really when you think about the ultimate tomorrow, you think about when we're gone. And when's the last time you thought about when you're, if you, what, life, what people would think and say or what life would be like without you on this earth? And how, 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 what, what would people say about you when you're gone? You ever think about that? And what, what, what will people say about me? What will people think about me? What will, I've had um, a privilege of being a pastor for uh, almost two decades. And um, I'm invited to some of the greatest moments of life. So marriage and you know, when kids are born and, um, and, and you know, I'll pray over them. You know, obviously after they've been born. And... Uh, um, I've actually been invited to like the births of, I'm like, I, I don't do that. Like, <laughs> no. Um, but, um, but I've also been a part of the, the most tough things in life. Uh, deathbeds and funerals. And people think differently at deathbeds and funerals than they do when things are, are good. And I think sometimes when we think things are good, like life is good and we're healthy, we don't think about life being short we don't think about, we think we're going to be here forever. That's, a, that's not like a young person thing. That's a person thing. But I always tell people, you know, healthy people die all the time. Bad things happen to good people and weird stuff happens in this world. You and I are not promised. The Bible talks about it at funerals and at, 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 at these bedsides. What I really, you know what I really learned? Is how I'm living now is what people are going to say about me when I'm gone. I, you know one of the saddest things as a pastor I, I do? is if I do a funeral and the people know that they were a bad person, people know that they were a stingy person, people know that they were a greedy person, people know that they were a mean person, and when people, when the pastor asks, when I get up there, would anybody like to say anything, nobody stands up. And then I got to make up something like, well, you know, I'm sure he was good at one point in his life. Because if tomorrow starts today, then what I plant now 
I'm going to reap later. And unfortunately, we sometimes reap when we're not here. Tomorrow means legacy. Tomorrow means legacy. Legacy means generational blessing. If you want generational blessing and legacy in your life, you've got to start thinking about what you're doing today. And so if that's true, I want to talk about just a few thoughts that, again, a gift. I'm trying to give you a gift to think about the future. What does the future actually look like for you? Let's talk about how tomorrow starts today. Number one, you have to see it. You have to see that tomorrow starts today. You have to have, here's, again, I want to say it in a way that maybe makes sense. You have to see it with your, with your eyes, which means you have to have vision for what you want to have later because if you don't have vision of what you want to have later, you'll never start adjusting the things in your now. So you got to see it. It's really important. You have to see it. You have to see what it could be. A vision is, is this idea of what could be fueled by the conviction and the, the disciplines of what should be. Like you, you have to have this ability to um, make a long-term goal of what you want to do. You want to know why? Because that's the only thing that validates the short-term sacrifices in your life. Because some people won't make short-term sacrifices. And I'm like, why don't you make short-term sacrifices? You know what the number one really or the reason why? It's because they really don't have a long-term vision that validates the short-term sacrifice. Like if you don't have a big idea or a big... If you want to climb Mount Everest, the idea of you climbing a smaller mountain or eating right or training for it makes no sense. Y'all know that, right? If y'all want to run a marathon, you getting on the treadmill every morning at 5 a.m. and learning how to run or running around your block and getting your body going. I watch Pastor Jason, our executive pastor here, he runs marathons and he don't just, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't just like wake up on marathon day and go, man, you know, I'd like to go run a marathon. Like that man runs every day consistently he's got an app he walks his plans he does all these things he watches what he eats he does all like why does he do all that well he does it because he's got a long-term vision for what he's trying to do which validates the short-term sacrifice that really what he's 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 required to do i remember when i was um I, 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 we had just gotten married my wife and i had just got married now i met my wife when i was 15 but we got married when i was 22 at 22 right babe? 22 so I was 22 and um and I remember um, I was not the healthiest person in the world. And I don't share this. I'm going to share this once a year. So you guys are lucky that you're in this series because I don't share this a lot because it's kind of embarrassing. But um, I used to weigh 325 pounds. And so most people don't believe me. So I try to like show them a picture. And so I'll show you a picture of what um, I used to look like. And so this is me. Um, that, yeah, like that's me on the left side. It's like, what, who? Hey, Aaron. Um, yeah, that's me. And, um, and I remember thinking like when I was, um, that's my uncle. And I remember thinking in that moment as, as a man, I was like, you know, I would like to be healthy. And yet, when I started on a journey to be healthy, it required some short-term sacrifices. And in the first week, I remember telling my trainer, actually my trainer, <laughs> I remember, this is kind of funny. I remember um, I walked into my first like couple of days and he goes, all right, uh, let's see you do a push-up. So I couldn't do a push-up. He goes, all right, get on your knees and do a push-up. Do like a knee push-up. I got to try to do a knee. Couldn't do a knee push-up. He goes, can you push up at all? And I said, no. And he, I remember my trainer going, like, and if your trainer has to take a breath, <laughs> you're in some trouble. And I remember thinking, like, man, I, um, I'm in some trouble. And he said, and he looked at me and he goes, the only way this is going to work. I remember saying this. He goes, the only way this is going to work is if you 
Think about it in chunks. you got to have a short-term mentality every day. Don't worry about, like, you have to have long-term vision, but you're not focused on long-term vision. You're actually seeing what you could be, but then you're, you're, you're doing all these short-term things to actually get you to your point. He goes, what you want later is found in the sacrifice of the now. That's literally what he said. I'm like, that's good, and I, I stole it. Because your current sacrifice is only worth it if you have a long-term vision of what could be. So we have to have a big enough vision in our life to make the short-term sacrifices tolerable. Let's take up your kids. Have you ever tried to teach your kids anything? Yeah, a collective groan from all the parents. Because they don't know anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was talking to a parent the other day, my kid is like psycho. I'm like, and he's like, he keeps doing crazy things. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I don't know why he does it. I'm like, because he's a kid. Kids, by definition, are ignorant. They know nothing until you teach them something. So my son, the other day, I remember we, um, we had some cereal on the, on the counter, and it was dry cereal, so they hadn't put in cereal uh, milk in it yet. And one of my little boys ran by and knocked it over, and it fell and hit the ground. And have you ever seen cereal hit the ground in a kitchen table? Like, it went everywhere. Just, you know. And that sound is just crippling for me. I'm like, I don't even know. I did not look back. I heard it, and I said, clean it up. (laughs) And they try to come convince me of who's, I got, I don't even care. Clean it up. Come on, parents, say it with me. Clean it up. Y'all have said it with, y'all have said it different. Y'all said it real nice in church. Like, oh, I say it like this to my children. Honey, will you clean? No, you don't. You scream at them. Clean it up. So they go over and I hear them knew that they grabbed the broom and they did this. They started sweeping it like a hockey player. And it was shooting up against the cabinets, ricocheting off the TV. It was like just everywhere. I'm like, you're making it worse. And so I had to go over and show them how to broom with the broom. And I'm like, you go like this, son. You go like this. And my son grabbed it and he goes like this. I said, no. And I had to grab it. How many of y'all know? I just had to go grab it. I had to grab them and like put your hands on it. Let me show you. Like this. And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah." I'm like, you don't know anything, you know. And I'm like, sweep slowly and then put it in a little pile and then you get the dust tray and you sweep it in the dust tray and you put it in. You see how that works? Do it. And I remember getting mad and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? You know, why are you? I said, because it takes so much. She goes, yeah, but we're teaching them how to be clean. And she's trying to point me to long-term vision. We want our kids to, right? Come on. But your kids to take care of things and know how to do stuff. I mean, that only makes sense. I'm only willing to do it. It takes longer. It's harder. It's more, it's, it, it, it's, it's way, like, it took me more time to do that than for me to do it myself. But I did it because I wanted to leave, come on, I want to leave somebody with the knowledge of what I got so that when I'm not gone, when I'm gone and I'm at my funeral, I hope they tell that story. Dad taught me how to sweep. Dad taught me how to do, you know, make my bed. Dad taught me how to make chocolate milk. Dad taught me how to, because what eventually what I want them, dad taught me how to read the Bible. Dad taught me how to be a good man of God. Dad taught me how to, how to work for money. Dad taught me how to not be a victim. Dad taught me how to treat people with respect. Dad taught me how to love Jesus and love God and love my church and love my pastor. Dad taught me how to love people. Come on, like, because the little, 
provides for the long-term vision. It's got to be effective in the little, so I get it. Some of you in here right now are, are working on the, on, on the little. Just remember the long-term. Every time you, you read your Bible, it's the little, but you're working, you're working on the big vision of being a Bible literate. You, 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 you're sitting at the dinner table with your family. You think that's little, but it's, you're working on long-term legacy and vision. Hey, I want to teach them. I want to talk to them. I'm going to church every week. Y'all think it's little. It's not little. You're building on long-term vision. I'm teaching my kids. By the way, number one issue I had with parents when I was a youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor for a decade. You, you want to know what the number one issue was? They wouldn't value the church. They would have kids that would wild out and not value the church. Come in, tell me, make sure my kids value the church. And I said, that doesn't work like that. Yeah. If you don't value the church, they ain't going to value the church. If you talk bad about the church behind the church's back in front of them, if you post about stuff, come on. And I got to be honest with you. Y'all better be careful with what we post. Your kids, you don't think your kids going to read that one day? Some of us, we... We are processing our feelings in the public forum in a way that is so unhealthy that you're leaving a legacy and you don't even know it. These, these habits affect a generation. I like what Habakkuk chapter 2 says. It says, for still the vision awaits at its appointed time. Isn't it funny how like God asks us for vision, then my, my vision is on my timing. But he says it's actually coming at an appointed time. So God's appointed the time for his vision. It hastens to the end and it will not lie. I like this. If it seems slow, <laughs> yes and amen. amen. I don't know about you, but the, God, the vision God gave me is slow. It's meticulous. It's like teaching a kid how to, sh- how to sh- sweep. Slow. God, can't you just do it? Just do it yourself. He goes, no, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. God could do it. God could do it. Anything you want in your life, you all know that, right? God could do it. He's able to do it, but he's teaching you. He's got legacy in mind. He's got vision in mind. He's teaching you. He goes, right, why would I take that from you? I don't want to take it from you. I want to take the win from you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're going to win. Go ahead. Yeah, you're learning. If it seems slow, just wait. It's going to come. It's not going to delay. It won't lie. It's a seed. It's like a seed, a seed in the ground. It's, it's going to harvest. So, hey, mom's in here. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. And you feel like you used to live with kids and you don't have any real purpose. Can I tell you, you got, you got all the purpose in the world. Yeah. It's a seed going in the ground. It's not going to lie. You got purpose. You're changing lives. You're leaving a legacy. It's a generation. I get it. It's like I wake up, they throw up on me. There's, you know, kids screaming everywhere. There's poop in the corner. You know, it's like, what? I don't know what I'm doing. I just got trying to stay sane. I get it. I get it. But you're leaving a legacy. Yeah. You're planting seeds. Yeah. You're important. You're valuable. You're doing great. Don't stop. Don't, don't. The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good. Keep doing good. Yeah. You're, you're going to be okay. Keep planting the seed that's coming. Number two, once you see it, this is good. This is good. Once you see it, you change your mindset. Because, because thinking is critical. Thinking, um, how we think is critical in leaving a legacy. If you think um, something, it tends to come out in your actions. It tends to become who you are. 
um, the Bible actually talks about Proverbs 23. It says, for uh, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man, or I like King Jimmy, he talks about it in his translation. He goes, for as a man thinketh, you know, so is, so is he. As a man thinketh. So as you think, as your thoughts are, as you, as you allow things to percolate in your mind, it naturally comes out of your hands. And you become the very thing that you think about. So there is a, uh, let's compare and contrast a few things. Right now thinking versus legacy thinking. Here's, here's, here's some right now thinking ideas. I'm aiming at how, cult, how the culture defines success. That's right now. Because right now I feel the pressure. Right now I feel the tension. Right now I feel what's wrong. Right now I feel like pressure to do something or post something or be something or chase something or go obey about something. Or right now, I'm thinking about right now and I'm aiming at how culture defines success. Go to the next one. I'm so focused on today, I can't think about my legacy. Right now, thinking makes you think, if I'm not about now, I'll never get the end. Actually, it's quite the opposite. If you don't think about the end, you'll probably neglect the now. Right now, mindset, keep going. I react to what happens instead of creating intentional moments. The worst thing you and I could do as a Christian is be a reactionary Christian. You need to be responsible. Responsible, which means I'm going to respond instead of react. Most of social media's issues come from reaction. Hello. I was offended. Hold on. You could actually probably fix the offense in the moment, but you like pause it so that you could post it and then delete it later. (laughs) But we react. Instead of creating intentional moments, that's what I was talking about with our kids, we wait until something goes wrong with them to actually address the issue with them. Instead of having a moment of creating an intentional moment, let's talk about this. Let's have this moment. I want you to, I would rather, I was telling a parent this the other day, especially with teenagers, you want your kids to fail with you. You want them to fail in your house, by the way. You got to let them fail in your house. You got to let them make those mistakes. You got to let them say those things. You got to let them go to those areas. You got to let them get on those. I'm telling you, you got to give them an opportunity to see some things they shouldn't be seeing. You got to let it happen in your house. Why? So when you're there, because you're there. If you shelter them the whole time and everything becomes reactionary, you did something wrong, discipline. You did something wrong, discipline. I'm not saying you shouldn't discipline, but if all you're doing is disciplining and not training, you are neglecting your child. You got to train them. Training comes with allowing them to go through things. All right, here's the, here's the plan. Here's the play to run. Go run the play. You screwed that up. Come back here. Let's talk about how, how you can actually get better at that. When, you, when I call a play to the right, actually run to the right. But you got to be intentional about that. I assume it will just happen. I wish I wasn't a pastor because I'd say a very cool cultural thing right now with the word assume. It's really good. Maybe if I was pastor in California, I'd get away with it. But I'm just saying, good things don't tend to happen when you assume. I tell people um, in our church, our leaders, people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. So if you're a parent, like, they ain't, they ain't going to do what you expect. They do what you inspect. If they know that you're going to come back and check. I'm different if I got accountability. I'm a better pastor because I have pastors in my life, just so you all know. 
You wouldn't like me if I didn't have passions in my life that I was submitted to. You wouldn't like me if I didn't have a board. You wouldn't like me if I didn't have a wife who would tell me what's up. You wouldn't like me if I didn't have men in my life that could look at me in my eyes and say, that's not who you are, Aaron. They they don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect because people aren't naturally going to do the right thing. So you could be that person out there and be like, I don't need nobody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I don't need nobody to tell me what's right and wrong. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you're a man in here and you don't have another man that you've submitted your life to, you're in trouble. You're dangerous to me. And don't tell me you're, oh, I'm good. I got my wife. She, that's not her role. You're, you're making her do something that she's not actually called to do biblically. Y'all know that, right? She's called to help you, not hold you accountable. So we can't assume things will just happen because they don't. I've, I've, I've done that. We know this to be true, but we don't act like it. And so I'm just like, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it'll happen. And then we pray. Like, don't you all do that? Don't we do that? Like, we throw it on God. Like, God's like, God, I'm a God of principle. Like, what are you doing? Like, you should go. Don't assume. Go check. No, God, you can do it. You're good. Let's pray miracles. God's like, don't assume things will happen. Do we have another one? Man, there'll be plenty of time later. Man. How many times have you gotten bit with that? How many parents in here wish they could have a little, you would have spent a little more time you know, if I could have just, if I could go back, if I could, I got two twin 15-year-old boys, and even now I wish, I'm like, if I could go back, I would, mm. but in that moment, I was trying to be a good pastor. Some people get mad at me because I'm not available as I could be as a pastor to y'all. But what you don't realize is that I learned a lot of bad lessons in the last 20 years of my life as a pastor at other churches that I won't make the same mistakes now. So I'm going to go to my kid's baseball game instead of coming to a church event. Because I'm focused on legacy. And you can be mad. That's okay. I love you. God loves you. But I don't want to be at the end of my life thinking, I wish I could have more than I, I probably will. <laughs> Can we? You're not going to ha- not have those. But you probably want to limit them. You probably want to keep them from happening. So, so what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? What does that mean at the end of the day? We need to have our mindsets and have them be correct. Number three in this is this, and I'm done. We need to be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to sacrifice. So once our, once our eyes see it, we have vision for it, it changes our mindsets and our thinking, and then it moves us to being actions, right? It moves us into now right actions and willing to sacrifice for the future. And our behavior is critical with, when we want to leave a legacy. How we act either builds up or beats down those that are coming behind us. 
and I, I just, this is real important for me if, if I could just have this and, and I'm done. We have to be really intentional about those that are coming up behind you. I'm not just talking about young people right now. Um, let's assume you are a um, 60-year-old couple. You need to be worried about the 50-year-old couples and the 40-year-old couples and the 30-year-old couples and the 20-year-old couples that are coming behind you. If you're a 40-year-old couple, you need to be worried about the 30-year-olds and the 20-year-olds and the, and the teens and the kids. If you're a 20-year-old in here, you need to be worried about the teens and the kids that are coming up behind. Legacy thinking is about those coming behind you. And it's not just about praying for them. Everybody can pray for them. But I hear a lot of people complaining about the next generation. These kids nowadays, and they just wish, and we used to walk up tail both ways in the snow and they don't have nothing they're entitled and they're all going to hell and this is going to be the worst generation coming up and I look at them you know my response always is to them man you must have 20 kids in your small group at your house right now loving on them and you you care so much to complain about sounds like you're real passionate about reaching the next generation sounds like you know what we really need less talking and more doing Please don't come up to me after service and be like, Pastor, you know what we should do? We should start this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. I'm not, by the way, I'm not looking for more work. If you have a, a, an idea or a, or a thought, or if you're mad about something, be mad enough to go do something about it. Be mad enough to go do something about it. Especially when it comes to those coming behind us. You got to be willing to sacrifice for those that are coming up behind you. I use this illustration in Next Steps, but imagine a dinner table. Uh, I have dinner most nights in my house. It's kind of one of the things we try to do. I like to cook. So I'll cook and my wife, I'll get home, tag. My wife goes to her room, becomes normal again because she's had our children and it's transformed her into the Hulk. So she goes back. She goes, babe, I'm out. I'm like, you're good. So she goes out and rests and recharges and I cook and I watch the kids go around the dinner table. It's interesting around the dinner table when you have different generations. You have the teens. I have 15-year-olds. I have a 12-year-old. I have a 9-year-old. I have a 6-year-old. And then me and, and their, their mother. And so we're sitting around the table. And it's interesting, man. Every kid is different, different ages. They, my 12-year-olds, they don't, they don't, or my 15-year-olds, they don't even, they don't, I don't need to help them with their food. They don't need to ask me what they want. Like they take, you know, if we have tacos, they take 18 tacos apiece. <laughs> I bought stock in Costco yesterday. It was great. And um, they, they eat. I don't have to help them. My 12-year-old, you know, he's often asking me if there's another thing that they can eat. Do you all have one of those? You know, we're like, I made dinner. And they're like, is there anything else we can eat? I'm like, yeah, I got a whole other meal in the, cow, in, the, in, the, in the garage. Just wanted to see if you like this one first. No, we're eating this, you know, but they can eat by themselves. My nine-year-old, you know, he's typically running around. And I have to go grab him and sit down. He's distracted. He's eating other things. My six-year-old, I'm half an hour. Okay, all right, come on, sit. Come on, eat your food. All right, come on, I cut up your nick, your chicken nuggets and your and all your your rice and all your beans and all. It's all right. We gotta eat this and you're okay and you can please eat it. I go, why are you doing that? And, you know, I'm talking to them. And, What's kind of cool now, though, is that my 15-year-olds help my 12-year-old. My 12-year-old helps my 9-year-old. My 9-year-old helps my 6-year-old. My 15-year-olds help my 6-year-old. They, they help because, why? They, they get it. They've sat around the table long enough to realize that the older sacrifice for the younger. Please hear that. Please hear that in here. 
we are not the church where the old people get to go around and yell at all the young people. And if that's who you are, I'm going to be honest. I love you, but you don't belong here. There's other churches that are like that. I'll send them to you. I'll help you. But that ain't here. I'm about legacy. One of the things that I looked forward to the most in my life, I said this at our new family dinner. This surprises most people. They asked me a lot, like, what's your long-term goal? And I said, to be a nobody here. To see your kids take over the church. To see your family walk around and your children and run things and do the worship thing. I want to be the old guy with Pastor Jason rolling around in our wheelchair, telling people we used to, and people going, who are those old people that just seem to walk around here? They used to do something. And then, oh yeah, they used to do something. I can't wait. I can't wait. They're not the church of tomorrow. The church of today the church of today. Somebody sacrifice as an older person for me as a younger person. Um, some of y'all don't know um, uh, my dad. Um, he, uh, did, did I ever give the picture? Did I give a picture? I have a picture of my dad. I want to give you a picture of my dad. This is my dad. Uh, and so... Uh, my mom, that's my mom on the right. You probably know my mom because she's our welcoming committee. And when we started our church, Pam, she's like, Pam's on the front. She's like her only friend. That, she don't need a uh, cheerleading. Hang on, Pam. Uh, so my mom, I, my joke with my mom is, is that if she, she walks, she probably said die to you 18 times. She walks around and my joke to her is like, mom, you have to tell people your name is Dee Dee. Instead of, I, but I tell them, I say, every time she introduces people, she goes, go, hey, what's your, my mom will say, hey, what's your name? My mom will say something like, oh, well, my, my name is Pastor Aaron's mom. I'm like, you can't tell everybody that I'm, I'm your son. She probably met my mom. My dad, my, that's, but that's my dad. And um, my dad, you probably don't see him a lot because he kind of like me in the background. He's a little more behind the scenes guy. He serves on our ushers team. And he's at our third service. Um, my mom and dad come to third service. I ask everybody to come to third service. So they're like, we'll listen to you, son. I'm like, thank you for doing what I did not do to you when I was younger. <laughs> I did not listen. But my dad, um, my dad grew up as a general contractor for most of his life, served as a con construction worker for 30-something years of his life. And for the first several years of my life, um, my mom and dad will tell you, was really, really rough, and he didn't know the Lord. Um, he knew about God, but he didn't know God himself. He didn't have a relationship with him. And my dad met a pastor and found a spiritual family and he gave his life to Christ. And I remember when he did that because our families changed. Went from crazy and to settled. And when his life changed, our lives changed and he started to sacrifice and he made a decision that changed the course of a of a young boy's life. And I've, if you like Rise, just think about this. You want to know the power of legacy. If you like Rise at all, if you give your life here to Jesus here, and we've had many of you have, if your life's been changed under the power of the Holy Spirit here at Rise, if you've seen your family come together, we've seen our families come together, if you've, if you've, if you found God in any way, 
You know who you should thank? My dad. And, and not because he's perfect. He doesn't do everything right. But because he said yes to Jesus 20-something years ago, 30-something years ago, he thought he was just changing his life. He changed y'all's life. There's a power in legacy. There's a power in, in what you do right now. Tomorrow does start today. I'm thankful for my dad that he made that decision. What decision do you need to make right now that will change the legacy? Who knows what will happen? Come on, y'all. Because of a decision you made today that could turn into an amazing, thriving, life-giving church. That's what you should think about as you plant your seed. I pray that God would produce a great harvest in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you, God, that today is a wonderful day. You've, you've maybe given us a different vision for the future and what God could do inside of our lives. And Lord, I'm just praying right now, Lord, that you would illuminate the areas of our life where we need to sacrifice. And Lord, where we need to see the vision. We need to change our mindset and our thinking and do everything we can to actually Walk out your vision for us in Jesus' name.